And uh, in, at the end of March in 2005, uh, the Catholic Church experienced a, a, a very, very big moment in its history. Um, pope John Paul II, uh, up to that point, uh, I know in my life, had been the only pope that the entire world had known. Um, that my, that the, he was the only pope that I knew in my entire life. Um, and, and he passed away, uh, I think it was March 30th of 2005. Um, it, it, was a, it was a big moment for the church because he was one of the longest kind of reigning popes. He was, one, he was a pope that had, had, had traveled a lot. The stories are that he, his, he was take, he, there were more travel. He, he traveled more than any other pope in history at that point. Um, he also had his picture taken more than any pope in history at that point. So one of the things about John Paul II was that uh, people knew what he looked like uh, and knew his kind of personality more than any pope in history, right? Um, he, he, was, he was often photographed, uh, just, he always had that big, big, really, really cheesy, good, like just happy kind of demeanor about him. Um, he, he was always like, if he was with somebody, like there's, there's video of him like with somebody and like he's goofing off with them, messing with hats and stuff like that. Um, there's a picture of him where he has, I, one of my favorite pictures of him, um, he has his hands up to his eyes like this and like he's goofing off and I'm like, ah, he's a patron saint of me, right? Like it's just a, it's, it's just a really, like you could tell, he just had this gregarious personality about, about himself, um, just this way of being with people and, and just in the world that was just like, it, it just kind of like, it, it just reflected happiness. Right. Um, there was a story uh, in, in World Youth Day who came to the United States in the 90s in Denver. Um, and when he walked out on the stage, he had a cane. But like they, they, they told him to walk with a cane. But in his kind of fashion, what he did was is as he walked, he kind of strutted across the uh, across the stage and he was kind of spinning the cane. You know, like it was just like he was a little bit of a showman, like he had kind of this kind of way about him. Well, at the end of his life, um, John Paul II went through a lot of different kind of just kind of sicknesses and physical ailment and different things, and it kind of had, it take, it had taken a toll on him. Uh, so if he died on the 30th, on the 29th, the day before he died, within 24 hours of him dying, um, he made his last, uh, his last public appearance as Pope. So when people heard that he was going to make an appearance, knowing that he wasn't doing well, the rumors and like the news had kind of gotten out that, that he wasn't doing well, he, wouldn't, he wasn't going to last very long, um, Pilgrims had started to kind of come to Rome and make their way to Rome just to, to be able to pay their respects and see him hopefully one last time. So if you're not familiar, uh, every Sunday the Pope, what he does is, is from his personal residence, from his apartment in Rome, uh, if you're ever at St. Peter's and you're looking at the front of the church, up to the right, right? So like up to the right, if you look into the front of the church, you'll see a couple of windows and one of them has like some nice curtains on it. That's the Pope's apartment. Right, and what he does is, is on Sunday typically the Pope will come out and he'll speak. He'll do he'll praise the Angelus at noon, and then he he speaks to the pilgrims. He gives some special blessings to pilgrims. It's usually not very long, and then everybody kind of goes on their way. But you have a crowd that'll that'll form in in St. Peter's Square. Well, this day a big crowd formed because they knew John Paul II was going to be making an appearance, and it might be his last. So people were kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and. When they see the curtains open up, you hear the crowd just erupt. And instead of this happy, kind of shining person, they roll out Pope John Paul II. And he barely has a smile on his face, and he's barely moving. And what he is moving, all he's doing is his, his, his arms, and he's just kind of flailing around and just doing blessings. It's the best he can do. 
I, at, at some point, he, he tried to kind of like, he was making like some gestures with his hands, but nothing really made sense. At one point, they, he, he almost could tell that he was trying to speak. So what they did was, is they took the microphone and put it up to his mouth. Um, but he had, a couple of days before, had had a tracheotomy. So all you heard was just kind of the, the rumble of a, of a trach. The, right? That's about it. For four minutes... He was in this window, almost a shell of the person that he had been. And then that was it. He rolled him off, closed the curtain, and everybody went. He offered his blessings the whole time. And, and there was a documentary about the end of his life, and, and at one point somebody, like the, the, the narrator almost made it sound like this was like a being defeated. But I remember hearing someone say, well, it, it wasn't him being defeated. What, what, what John Paul II showed us that even at the end of his life, within 24 hours, he would be dead. Within 24 hours, the news had gone through the church that he had passed. But the, 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 the news also was, it, like the, the, the way in which this one person decided to reflect on it said he wasn't being defeated. He was showing that death was not something to be feared, but something to be reverenced. Let me say that again. De- death was not something to be feared, but because of his faith, he could approach death with reverence. I think what we hear today in today's gospel is Jesus basically trying to give us this same lesson. That faith allows us not to approach death with fear, but to approach it with reverence. And that's what he does, when, especially as he's, as he's inter- in, interacting and encountering Mary and Martha. You see, in, in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, we hear all these, we might have all these different characterizations or ways of thinking about Jesus. When we hear the name Jesus and we think of Him in the Gospels, we can, there are a lot of things that can come up, right? We can think of Him as a miracle worker. The blind man sees, the, de- the deaf man hears, the dead man walks, right? The, the, um, the crippled man walks, dead man, like, they all both walk, right? Um, but like, he, 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 does all the, he does all the miracles, right? Like, he, he, he makes the fish and the bread, like, they, there's more fish and bread. Even the storm shuts down and, and is quiet. People walk on water, like, there's all these miracles. We can look at Jesus and we can think miracle work. We can look at Jesus and we can think preacher, right? We, we hear over and over and over parables and, and teachings and all this beautiful stuff that he just preaches, the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? He's preaching and he's teaching and he's preaching and he's teaching. Rabbi, he's preaching and he's teaching. Teacher, he's preaching and teaching. That's over and over and over. We, we can think of him as like standing up for the little guy, right? Think of the woman caught in adultery and he basically tells off the Pharisees, right? Constantly looking at the Pharisees and challenging authority and just being like somebody who's going to step up and call out injustice when he sees it. We can think of Jesus as like little baby Jesus, right? <laughs> Nativity and like just ho- Mary holding him and like all the innocence and wonder and beauty and, and a- a example like what he would be and like the, the, the hope for what he would be and what he would do. A couple of weeks, we'll celebrate Holy Week, right? And we think of Jesus as like the Lamb of God and not just like Him dying on the cross, but the resurrection that follows. So a bunch of different ways we can think of Jesus. One way I think that gets lost in all of that is that Jesus, while He was all of that, He was also a normal guy. And like He lived in a community. And like He lived in the world. And like He had friends. And He had human relationships. And like he got along with people. And he did, he, there were probably people that didn't like him. And he, because he's Jesus, like he forgave them unconditionally. But he was like still a normal guy, right? Like he had to go to the market. 
He probably knew the clerk, right? He, he probably like had conversations and jokes with people on the street. and like, he, he knew people. In fact, today we get a little bit of a glimpse whenever we hear about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus because this was like a family that Jesus had gotten to know. Like Jesus went and he had his 12 disciples that we know he knew really well because they traveled all over the place. They walked everywhere they went. They had to have some kind of conversations, right? He knew them. But Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was this family that he had kind of gotten to know. In Luke's gospel, we hear that at, at, at one point he shows up with all of, the, all of his disciples and they show up at Mary and Martha's house. They leave out Lazarus. I don't know, Luke might not like Lazarus. But anyway, um, but like they leave out Lazarus. But like it's Mary, it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's the house that he goes to. It's in Bethany. It's two miles away from Jerusalem. As we heard in today's gospel, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, it's not far. Right? Just over a hill. So it, when, like he knew this family. He knew these people. He spent time with them. He had like shared life with them before. So when he shows up, like what we see is we see their personalities play out really, really well. You may have heard this, the story, right? Like Martha is doing all the serving. Mary is the one that's sitting at his feet. Martha, as, as a good old woman, like just sitting there kind of complaining, like tell my sister to come help me. And Jesus says, calm down. No one told you to serve. Calm down. It's okay. She's sitting right here. You should come sit down too. She's not going to have to get up. All those kind of things. I'm convinced that Martha is, uh, is the patron saint of Cajun women. All right? Just letting you know right now. Because you show up at a Cajun woman's house, here's the coffee, here's the water, here's the cookies, here's the food. You, you sure you don't need something to eat? You sure. I can make you something. If you, you sure, right? Like, that's what Martha does. And Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha, type A personality, extrovert, always running around, always making sure everybody's got everything they need. And Mary, looking like the lazy bump on the log that's just sitting there, but enjoying the people that are with her. Right? They, don't, they fight because these sisters. They're supposed to. Right? Anyway. Well, the personalities, they play out today in the gospel as well. And I think Jesus' response to them is, is, is something that we, we should really reflect on. Because notice what, what happens. Jesus finds out that Lazarus is ill. Finds out that their brother is ill. right? And when Jesus finds out that their brother is ill, he finds out, like he knows that he's going to kill him, he knows he's going to die, he shows up. As he's approaching, what happens? Martha gets word. Now, there must be like a, the same kind of Bayou hotline that we have where all the ladies talk up and down Bayou Lafouche, right? That same Bayou hotline must have took place in Jerusalem as well because way before he gets to the town, what happens? Martha finds out Jesus is coming, so what she does? Good old Cajun woman. I'm going out to get him. I'm going to find him. So she goes straight to Jesus. What's the first words out of her mouth? If you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. Now we read it, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I got a feeling that it probably sounded more like, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. But, I trust you. But I've come to believe in you. Martha, right, going to tell him how she feels. Martha's going to meet her grief and tell Jesus exactly how she feels and exactly what's going on. And Jesus meets her right where she is. Do you believe in me? Yes, I've come to believe. But I feel your hurt. I feel your struggle. And I know you're sad. But I'm going to meet you right where you are. And they have this exchange. 
Then Martha says after, let me go get Mary. I've had my piece of them, let me go get Mary. So we're here. Mary's back at home. Now I can imagine that Mary is probably in, in this grief, right? Martha's probably the one making sure everybody's got everything and making sure that all the food's getting put in the right place and making sure everybody got, like, gets comfortable when they come over to the house. And Martha's the one that's sitting off in the living room to the corner and doesn't really want to talk to anybody. Grateful that people are showing up and probably giving like some half-hearted hugs, but for the most part is just sitting there and just in her grief and quiet. And Mar- Martha comes up to Mary and says, the teacher's here. And she knows exactly who that means because the last time Jesus walked in the house, as we hear, what was, he, what was he doing? He was teaching her and she was sitting at his feet. Probably in the same spot. <laughs> and she gets up and she goes. But when, Mar- when Mary gets to Jesus, it's a completely different tone. She says the same words. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But it probably sounded more like, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she breaks. And Jesus sees her cry. And sees everybody that followed her cry. And Jesus himself cries with her. She meets them, he meets them right where they are. Not where they think they're supposed to be. Not where, they, not where they should be. Not what they should be doing. Not what they should be feeling. But with the grief and the hurt of losing their brother, Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going to meet you right where you are. In the same way, I think this is a, for us, this, this gives us hope because what we learn in this is that Jesus is going to meet us right where we are. It may not be, it, it, it may be something with loss. It might be like loss of somebody, like a family member or like a, somebody that we dearly love. And, and the thing is, is that Jesus is going to meet us right where we are when it comes to, when it comes to death. But even if it isn't death, if it's, if it's a bad diagnosis, if it's, if it's a broken relationship, if it's just a, like struggling with my major in school and stuff and confusion and, and I don't know, and but Jesus is going to meet us right where we are. I, I think the beautiful part about Lent, and, and, and in particular this Lent with these last three weeks, we find out that Jesus is not afraid and doesn't see anything as too big. Nothing is too big for him. Think about, think about three weeks ago. Or two weeks ago. What do, what do we hear? We heard about the woman at the well. And what does Jesus say? Like, no, no, no. Uh, your bad reputation is not too much. Mistakes you made in the past are not too much. Just because other people are talking about you, that's not too much. I'm bigger than all those things. Let me love you right where you are. Last week, we heard about the man born blind, right? Physical ailment, not too much. Things that we suffer with and struggle with bodily, not too much. Addiction, not too much. Those places that were weakest, not too much. None of those are too much. Let me love you right where you are. And and today, when when he looks at Mary, when he looks at Martha, when he looks at Lazarus himself, right? He looks and says, "The, the grief that you carry is not too much. The struggle that you carry is not too much. Death itself, for me, is not too much. 
Let me love you where you are. See, see, the interesting thing is, is that Jesus, yes, he is, he is a completely a man. And he's got bodily, he's got human relationships and a body, and he's normal, and he's got friends. And we see that. But the other great thing is that Jesus is also God. And it just like as the it just like as the first reading prophesied, right? Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out of your graves, and I'm gonna prove to you who I am. Right? Jesus doesn't just leave us where we are, but instead he touches those places that were weakest. He opens up the tomb, even if there might be a stench, and he says, "Come out." Think of the hesitation of, of Martha. And Jesus is standing there at her brother's tomb. And he looks at her and says, move the stone. Like it's uncovering all of the hurt all over again for her. It's ripping a scab off of something that just I don't want to deal with. You're going to make me go back there, really? I said goodbye, I left him right here. On the funeral. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I want to work. Move the stone. But, 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 but Lord, you don't know what you're going to find there. I don't care. I'm God. Let, let me work. Move the stone. But it stinks. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm God. Move the stone. But be prepared when you're going to find. doesn't matter. I'm God. Move the stone. In our own heart, in our own, in our own life, what are the places that you have sealed off? That you've said, oh no, that's been buried. That's old. That's done with. That's been handled. That God might be inviting you and saying, no, 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 no. I'm God, not you. I'm God. Move the stone. Let me work. These last couple of days, these last couple of weeks, we, we, we get to, with these last couple of weeks, we've seen how God is not intimidated by anything we could go through, by anything that we're dealing with, by any kind of struggle that we have. And next week, what we're going to see is that God, because of all of that, He's going to show us exactly how He overcomes it as we walk into Palm Sunday and then into, into, into Holy Week. Because Jesus doesn't do it just from far and say, oh, no, 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 here's some medicine, or Here, oh, no, no, here's a quick fix, or no, no, no. He says, no, 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 I'm going to help you, I'm going to resurrect you by entering into the junk with you. So how does he, how does he resurrect? He goes into the tomb. Lazarus goes first, but he goes into the tomb as well and defeats death. Doesn't just heal it from far, but he passes through it. He experiences the bodily hurt. He experiences the ridicule. He experiences the weakness. So the blind man and the woman at the well and, and all of us have hope because we have a Savior who's passed through it with us, who's experienced it too, and knows what he's saying when he says, I'm God. Move the stone and let me work. Today as we come to Mass,
my invitation for all of us is today and in and, and these last two weeks of Lent. Where is it that you want God to work? What is it in your life? What, 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 maybe what tomb have you sealed off and you've forgotten about? No, 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 we don't touch it. We don't talk, touch that. We don't talk about it. We, don't, we, we leave it in the past and we don't, we don't deal with it. That God might be wanting to deal with. Let him move the stone. If there's a grief, if there's something that you carry, and, like, and, and God wants to, wants to and, and you don't want to talk about it, but God wants to talk about it, you know what? Tell him. It's okay to be Martha. <laughs> it's okay to tell him how you feel. Big God, he'll, he can handle it. But the places that we're weakest is where God wants to work. The places that we're weakest is where God wants to, wants to fix. The places that we're weakest is where God wants to breathe life. He's willing to meet us because he's, want, he, because he's a man. But he wants to heal us because he's God. He wants to resurrect us because he's God. Today as we come to this Mass, that, that same God is going to touch your life in communion. He's going to come down to meet you. Can, can we receive him? And are we, are we humble enough to just let him work? The Lord wants nothing more than for us to resurrect with him. He wants nothing more than for us to be whole and complete and, and, and okay. He is for us to let him. He was a man and normal. He was also God. That's why he comes to meet you.